0: If I said to you, the, the, the title of tonight's message is Life Lessons from a Funeral Psalm. What psalm would that be? What was it? Let's turn to it. 23rd Psalm, please. I will more than likely, I'll see how we're led by this, to really get our teeth into this. I will more than likely need another week but let's just see how the Lord leads he may lead us to bring something else next week but there's so much in this that we need to learn from and instead get your pen ready if you have a pen get your notebook ready if you have your notebook and if you haven't then you're going to have to re-listen again uh, and let's as I read this I'll break it up just shortly and then we'll get into the psalm okay Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd. Now you right there. That's relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. You right beside it or in your flyleaf or wherever. That's relationship. I shall not want. You right there. That's supply. That's supply. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You right there, that's rest. R-E-S-T, rest. Okay, let's look at this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's refreshment. He restoreth my soul. That's healing. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Righteousness. That's guidance. For his name's sake, you're right there, that's purpose. Purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's testing. Testing. I will fear no evil. That's assurance. Assurance. For thou art with me. You write beside that, that's faithfulness. Bless him. Bless him. That's faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You write there, that's discipline. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's hope. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's consecration. Consecration. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. Abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's perseverance. The perseverance of the saints. Not that you and I persevere that much, although we... Do you think so? But rather God's persevering in the saint. Keeping them to the end. Perseverance. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That is security. Security. Forever. That's eternity. Eternity. Let's pray. Father... Will you take your word and anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive? Will you anoint my lips, Father, to bring your own precious word? Glorify the Lord Jesus tonight in this place. For his name's sake we ask it. Amen. I give you, should be 17, little add-on sort of points that you could even study yourself. Think about and muse. You see, people think that Psalm 23 or the 23rd Psalm, they tend to think it's always for a funeral service. And it does bring comfort to us in a funeral service, but really Psalm 23, people tend to think that it's David and they romanticize it. David's a shepherd boy under the tree and he's writing this Psalm. No, David's an old man here. And David is looking backward to his life, and how God was there for him all the time. So this is not a psalm for a funeral service. Rather, this is a psalm for the living. It's not a psalm for the dead. Because when you're dead, you're dead. You're gone. And it's in this life, having relationship from verse 1, that brings us into eternity in verse 6. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's in between verses 1 and 6 we have that testimony. That walk and that relationship with God. For example, also in this psalm, I'll just point out four quick points. In verse 1, we see the Lord Jesus right through this. He is Savior. The Lord is my shepherd. And then in verse 3, we see him as the healer. He restoreth my soul. God willing, this week or next week we'll look at it. He restoreth my soul. So he's savior, he's healer. And then in verse 5, we see him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We're showing you the four square gospel here. Verse 5. Thou anointest. My head with oil, oil representing the Holy Ghost. Here, he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 6, he is the soon coming king. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will, looking to a future tense of his coming, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is savior of the soul. He is the healer of the body. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he is the soon coming king. So when we look at these things, we can see how the Lord is right through this. Notice as well, we're going to look at a few other points. Hopefully we'll start today and maybe get one or two done. But first of all, we have names of God's character throughout this psalm. Names of God's character throughout this psalm. For example, in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can write there, Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. The Lord will provide. In verse 2, He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord my peace. And then in verse 3, He restoreth my soul, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And again in verse 3, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness, Jehovah Sikhenu. Now if you're looking for the English spelling, it's T-S-K-I-D-N-E-U. And it means He is the Lord our Righteousness. And then when you go to verse 4, we have, For thou art with me, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. The Lord is present. When you go to verse 5, it says, I prepare us the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I for our English reading. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord, my banner. And then in verse five, Thou anointest my head with oil. The Lord, my sanctifier, is Jehovah Machadesh or Jehovah Makkadeshkum. Do you want me to spell it for you? M e k k a d i s h k e m, Makkadeshkum. It means the Lord, my sanctifier. The Lord. My sanctifier. Verse 1, we have the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, who is God. We have the shepherd, who is God. And in verse sixteen or 6, pardon me, in eternity, we have God, who is our shepherd. He's led us through the whole time, bringing us into his fold. Here's something for you to take note before we get further into the psalm. This is just an introduction to it. In the Old Testament, man makes God a dwelling place. You can read it when you go home, Exodus 35, verse 11, especially. And Second Chronicles chapter two, if you read through it. The first one is the tabernacle in the wilderness in the midst of Israel. And the second scripture I give you, Second Chronicles two, is the temple in Jerusalem. And so man makes God a dwelling place. In the New Testament, God makes man his dwelling place. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us that we are, those of us who are born again, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then in the kingdom come the age of the ages, or the end of all ages. God becomes man's dwelling place. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's read Revelation chapter 21, please, in verse 22. Revelation 21 and verse 22. John says, "And I saw no temple therein. There's not going to be any Hindu temples there. There's not going to be any cathedrals there. Not be a Jewish temple there either." Notice what it says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, do you see the term the Lord God Almighty? The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. This gives the idea of the man Christ Jesus, who is God Almighty and the glory of this Father. He is the one who is in the midst of, and it's he and his glory that we will be living in. Now, we can't fathom that. We can't understand that. We cannot comprehend it in its fullness. But in the kingdom come, God becomes man's dwelling place. So in Old Testament, man makes God a dwelling place. In the tabernacle and the temple, in the new covenant, God makes man his dwelling place. And in the kingdom come, God becomes man's Dwelling place. Now, in saying that, we've looked at some of these. Let's go to the Psalm, Psalm 23. This is about a man who had a relationship with the Lord, a relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he says. Notice he says, The Lord Yahweh or Jehovah is my shepherd. He's the one who leads me. And it speaks of relationship. Relationship. I'm glad it doesn't say here that the church is my shepherd. Aren't you? Are you not glad that uh, that even though the Lord gives you under shepherds and pastors according to the scriptures, but are you not glad that the chief shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep is the Lord himself? And to have the relationship with him is what takes you into verse 6, into the house of the Lord dwelling forever. So that's relationship. Psalm 80 and verse 1 says these words, Shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Now what does that mean? Now Joseph, the patriarch or the man Joseph in the book of Genesis is dead many, 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 many years. Here it is speaking of especially the northern kingdom of Israel, it becomes known as Joseph. He says, you lead Joseph like a flock, even after their scattering, and after their wanderings, even after them bringing them to the isles north and west of Palestine, as it's known, or the Holy Land. He led them like a flock, he sent the gospel and he sent forth the Protestant Reformation, the teaching the just shall live by faith, Amen. that we look to our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you and I whom you and I follow if we're saved tonight. Shepherd of Israel is the Lord, leads Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest among the cherubim, shine forth. And here David is saying, in the tabernacle, later in the temple that will come. Here he says, you came down upon the Ark of the Covenant that was behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. You dwelt among the cherubims in heaven, the angels that were above around his throne. Now he says you come down where the two angels are upon that golden box. And the angels touch wing to wing, formed out of gold, and God's glory comes down. He says, As it were in heaven, so it is on earth. Jesus prayed something that you and I pray all the time Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven the God who dwelt among the cherubim and the seraphim is the God who comes down to dwell again in the old covenant among those angelic creatures, beings that were formed and made on the Ark of the Covenant. Doesn't it show you when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, it's going to be greater than just a little square box behind a curtain in the wilderness. The kingdom of God will come Christ will come in all his glory and with great power and he will rule the earth. He's coming to rule the earth. The one who sits as the lamb on the throne is coming again. Will you turn with me to the book of Zechariah, please? Verse 7. Zechariah, verse 7. Chapter 13, pardon me, verse 7. I'm still a bit jet-lagged, you know. Bear with me. Listen to what it says, a wake, O sword against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. Who is this fellow? And now who is this shepherd? The word fellow here needs looked at. It's the word near neighbor, a near Neighbour. It means more than a friend, but someone he works with, labours with, and dwells with, side by side. It was just not like you and I don't really see our neighbours. When I grew up down in Belfast, all the neighbours sat out, they were actually sitting on the pavement because we had no gardens. But they're sitting out on the pavement all at night in the summer all talking while the kids played. I don't know when you had big fancy houses in the country, did you meet in the field? I don't know what you did. But you, 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 there was a community then. People got together then. A lot of them worked together where it was the shipyard or wherever it was, but they labored together, they worked together, they sat out at night and talked together, and they fought together as well. Fought the bit out. But notice this. The Lord had laid it in Scripture in Leviticus chapter 6. Verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie under his neighbor in that which he was delivered to him to keep, or in fellowship, or in thing taken away by violence, or hath deceived his neighbor, or hath found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely in any of all these that a man doeth sinning therein. Then it shall be because he hath sinned and is guilty that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the thing which he found, or all that about which he hath sworn falsely. He shall even restore it in the principle of, And shall add the fifth part more thereto and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish of its flock, with any estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. You might say, what has that got to do with it? Well, listen. Listen. The Lord says if you have a neighbor and you're close friends and you take something either by violence or say you found your neighbor's lawnmower. You just happen to find it close to your fence. And you lifted it and maybe you found it some or something else belonging to them and you didn't return it. He says, You're sinning. You're sinning. And the idea here is they're saying they are your fellow. They are your kith. They are your kin. Look after them. Do what is right by them. And so the Lord has laid it down even in the Ten Commandments. For example, when the Lord Jesus, he said to the, the Jewish Pharisees, this is what he said, Search the scriptures for the name you think you have eternal life and those are they which testify of me. And they would have searched the scriptures, and they would have looked and seen Christ through them, had they eyes to see, but they didn't. And then he was asked, what is the first and great commandment? And he says, he mentions some of the commandments, and this young man says, well, all of these things have I kept my youth up. He says, the second commandment is to love thy neighbor. Isn't that what he said? So the first tablet of stone Moses was given was the six commandments Pardon me, the four commandments was between man and God. And the next six was between man and man. Believe it or not, the six commandments is how you and I live before one another. Our testimony to one another. And what it says is you're my fellow. We have close relationship. Don't defraud. Don't be bitter. Don't be hurtful. Don't be hateful. But rather love one another for if you love the Lord first and the first four are all between you and God then they just don't go vertical but they go horizontal the next six. We love the Lord. First four, vertical between you and God. The next six go this way. That was the second tablet of stone. And so the Lord is saying, I have a fellow like this. He uses the same word. Don't you mistreat my fellow. Can you see the strength of this now? Don't you mistreat my fellow, the shepherd that I will send. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And of course, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 26 and verse 31, speaking of his arrest in Gethsemane, his trial in Jerusalem, and of course then his crucifixion, and all that happened that night, he quotes this concerning himself. He says, "I am Jehovah's fellow. I am the shepherd that he sent." You know, John chapter 10 and verse 11, listen to what the Lord Jesus says. "I am the good shepherd." The word good is kalos. And the word kalos means I am winsome. I am attractive. I don't know for how for so many years he wasn't winsome to me. And I don't know how it was that for so many years he wasn't attractive to me. But I can tell you what the scripture says about all of us who... Didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him, not as Jesus before his father. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. What eyes the Spirit gives us, brothers and sisters, what eyes the Spirit gives the man and the woman who are dead in their sin to behold the Lamb of God and all of His beauty and all of His glory and all of His loveliness that God's Spirit would come and quicken someone like me and like you to show us that we did not desire Him. There's nothing in us that wanted Him. And yet one day, the attraction came. One day the awakening came. Whether you were sitting in a church or whether you were sitting in some other meeting or whether you were in a house or whether you were walking down the street and someone spoken to you, whether you were in work, no matter where it was, but someone told you about the Son of God and someone told you about the fellow of Jehovah. Someone told you of this great shepherd and the Spirit opens your eyes to behold him. Nothing in us. Notice what he says. There is no beauty that we should desire him. Nothing in Christ that would attract us without the Holy Ghost quickening us. Can you see your salvation is all of God? Church, can you see your salvation is all of him? That there's nothing in us that ever looked his way nor wanted him. But rather, see this, how much he loved you. How much he loves you. That he would come, not only to die for you, but that he would come and waken you up from your dead, your death. That you would have eyes, the seed of a home, the Lamb of God. Jesus says, I am the good, the chaos, the winsome, the attractive shepherd. The good shepherd, this winsome one, giveth his life for his sheep. He is the shepherd who leadeth Joseph like a flock of sheep. Wonderful, wonderful Savior. Hebrews chapter 13, please, on verse 20. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now the God of peace... That brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Here, the Hebrew writer calls the Lord Jesus the, that great shepherd. What do you mean, that great shepherd? That great shepherd from Psalm 23? That great shepherd from Zechariah 13 and 7? That great shepherd who is, who is the, the, the fellow of his father of Yahweh Jehovah God through the blood of the everlasting covenant verse 21 make you perfect in every good work to do as well working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen and here he is that, that great shepherd of first peter chapter 2 and verse 25 we're told for ye were as sheep going astray. What are you talking about, Peter? See, brothers and sisters, you you can't really know the New Testament if you don't know the Old Testament. People think you cut the Old Testament off and sail it away down the river and pick the odd psalm out for the funeral. Knowing the Old Covenant shows you that the New Testament is the explanatory uh, words of the Old. Look what Peter says. For ye were as sheep going astray. Who are these sheep? Isaiah 53. Verse 5. Verse 6. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of his peace. Our peace was upon him. Verse 6. All we like sheep. Have gone astray. (laughs) Peter looks at this and he sees Israel going astray. And now he looks and he says, To those who have come back, he says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead are pardon me, for ye were as sheep going astray. You and I were sheep going astray. I can tell you I wasn't a goat going astray. I acted the goat. I got on like a goat. But I was always his sheep. I was always his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, he says. And they follow me. (laughs) Is Is that not too fantastic to understand? For you were a sheep going astray, but now you are returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Imagine that, brothers and sisters. God could have let us go astray. God could have let us go down the broad road to destruction and stand before him on that day at the great white throne of Revelation 20. And we could have been judged and found guilty and sent into the lake of fire but he says, I know my sheep and I'll call them by their name. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. Peter says he's a shepherd and bishop of our souls or the overseer of our souls. He oversees my soul. And 1 Peter 5 and 4 says, and when the chief shepherd, why is he called the chief shepherd? Because There have been pastors who are given to shepherd the flock. But really, he's the shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd shall appear. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will appear. The word here <clears throat> for chief shepherd, it's the word archepoyman. Now, I'll not spell it all out, but you don't need, really need to remember that. But I want to break it up just to show you. And this is the one and only time in the whole of the New Testament that this is mentioned. Archay means chief. Now, that word is mentioned in other words, but together. It means chief. And poyman, it means shepherd. And it gives the idea of one who is a chief over his own tribe. Over his own people. So when Jesus comes back, he's coming for his own. He's coming for his own. People say, you know, oh, when Jesus comes back, you know, people are going to get this chance where they're going to be able to bow the knee. Friend, there's going to be everybody bowing the knee when Jesus comes back. Everybody will be bowing the knee. Here it means he's coming for those who are his. Listen, it speaks of relationship. Relationship. And the word appear, by the way, is a word fanaroa. And it means manifest, revealed, declared, made visible. And it also means to expose into view. Jesus isn't coming back as well o the wisp Do you hear me? Jesus isn't coming back secretly. He's coming back and every eye will see him. The word here, when he appears, he's not coming back a second time and then a third time. He's coming back one more time. Once more. Manifest. He will manifest his glory, he will be revealed in the heavens. He will be declared and made visible as the chief shepherd coming for his own, those who are in covenant relationship with him. Jesus is coming back and he is going to be exposed into view over all the earth. Isn't that fantastic? It says, and you'll receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away, a Stephanos it is. And we're going to stand with him. And those of us who are overcomers in the faith will rule and reign with Christ. So in Psalm 23 and verse 1, we identify the shepherd. The Lord, Jehovah, is Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? Yahweh is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the manifestation of deity, clothed in humanity. And it speaks of relationship, the fellow of Jehovah, or if you want, the shepherd Jehovah sends. And listen to what he says. He's my, he's my next man. You be careful how you deal with him, he says. I'm going to say it again. He says, he's my man. He's the tender plant. He's born as a baby. He grows up in a dry land, which doesn't mean this was all dry dust. It means there was no spirituality. There's no word of God. And he will grow up before his father. You be careful how you deal with my son. Brothers and sisters, when you read what Christ says in the parables about his coming again, he says, Are those husbandmen? He's speaking of the Jews of the day and how they would take him out and stone the son, saying, This is the heir, come, let us kill him. He says, When I return, he says, I will cast them out. And I want to say it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. I don't care what what side of the fence you're on, whatever anybody says, if you're not his, you'll be cast out. You'll be lost. So the Lord is my shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He's a shepherd and bishop of our souls. He's a shepherd that leadeth Joseph like a flock. He's the chief shepherd. But can you say tonight... The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. This isn't religion. This is relationship of the heart. The heart to heart. One in the, the Holy Spirit. The eternal spirit. God the spirit. From heaven if you want to my heart to back again. I'm one in the spirit. And if you are born again of the spirit of God then I'm one with you too. We're one in the Spirit. We can claim ownership. The Lord is my shepherd, is Jehovah Orofi. When you turn with me just to Genesis 22? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We want to look at Jehovah Orofi. We'll stop maybe there and then And the Lord's will we do another one next week. Genesis twenty two verse nine, please. In fact, let's look at verse seven. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Notice he doesn't say God will provide for himself. God doesn't need a lamb. We need the lamb. But God will provide himself. The lamb is God, in other words. For a burnt offering, so they both... So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abram built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything Unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Here, God provided a lamb, a ram. A ram is the father. Father sheep provides himself to be sacrificed. Picture of Christ. Picture of the offering that was to come. But notice. So Isaac's going up. I think the, the language as we read it, it's, it's, it's strange because he's walking for three days with his dad and he's walking up the mountain now, just him and alone and the servants are behind. And he, he looks at his dad and he says, well, here's the wood and here's a fire. Where's the offering? But first of all, he says, he asks his dad, he says, Abraham, or father, here am I. You think, well, I know you're here. You're right beside me. See how Isaac's mind's working. Isaac's, Isaac's really in, uh, taken up by this. Isaac's taken up by this. Where's, where's the wood? Here's the wood and here's the fire. But where's the offering? Just God will provide a lamb. here's something for you to encourage you. There, as it were, going up one side of the mountain. Isaac's going up to sacrifice his son, his only son whom he loves. And you think about this. You mothers, you think about this. You fathers, think about this. What faith that takes to do. You see, the Lord had said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. And Abraham had to have faith that no matter how it looked God was still in control. He wasn't just going to put in a knife and by some reason God was going to raise him again. He was going to burn him to a crisp. The dust, to powder, the ashes. And you can see how Abraham must have been thinking the whole way, that three day journey and then the whole way up that mountain. Lord, I'm trusting you here. I'm trusting you. And then suddenly, Isaac's going here, where's the sacrifice? Can you see two men get starting to maybe doubt and have to really dig deep, but no matter how it looked, they're going to have to really just trust the bare word of God. Speaking to someone, you just have to trust the bare word of God. You have nothing to go on. There's no signs and wonders here, friend. It's just exactly what God said, so we'll believe it. Sometimes it's hard to trust just what God says, the bare word. But that's what it takes for salvation, you know that? And that's what it takes to see God work the circumstance out, and that's what it takes to see the miracle happen, is believing in the word of God in its entirety and it barely. And as they're going up, as it were, one side of the mountain, Where's the sacrifice? Lord, you've told me, and Isaac, my seed will be called. You've said it, Lord, so I'm believing you, I'm trusting you. Isaac, God will provide Himself a sacrifice, son. And He builds the altar. Think how long that took. Think how long that took to put that together. He builds the altar. Next thing He gets old Isaac down, He says, Right, son, get on there. He's tying him up, ready to put the knife into him. He lifts the knife up, I'm going to put this in. Anytime now, Lord. Sometimes we think God's timing is wrong and ours is right. But he's never too early. He's never too late. He's always on time. His time. The thing is, is they're going up one mountain trusting God, not seeing anything happening here up the other side of the mountain. Little do they know there's an old ram walking up there. He gets his head stuck in a bush. God had already supplied the need. God had already made the way. They couldn't see it. They couldn't grasp it. They couldn't understand it. They believed God for it and God had already had it accomplished stay your hands Abraham don't hurt the lad and he turns around and there's the old ram I wonder how he didn't see that before was he so engulfed was he so caught up with what he's about to do watching his son I'm sure there was fear God what are you doing but there was the ram There. sometimes we can't see God's provision because we worry so much about what we can't see isn't that true? You might be climbing up the mountain wondering how we're going to get through this, how we're going to get on with this. Listen, you trust the word of God. There's a ram coming up the other side of your mountain. God has already made the provision for you. You trust in his word and you'll see how the Lord brings it to pass. So Jehovah Jireh is what Abraham calls it. When we get to Psalm 23, the same idea of words are used. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that supply. He supplies our needs. David said, I have been old. Young, now I am old. Yet not have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'm finishing with this. I get a bit concerned with preachers who come and promote themselves to you to let, coax you to let them preach in your church. I get a bit concerned with that. I get a bit concerned because I've had somewhat, quite a a few, but one in particular kept messaging me, emailing me. I want to come and he comes from another part and that's where. I want to come. I want to preach in your church. I want to preach in your church and I thought, you know, you want to preach in our church. We don't know anything about you. We know who you are. We know nothing off you. I want to, you can ask this one and ask that one. They all know me. I don't care who knows you and who doesn't know you until I get to know you. I don't have to believe every single doctrine he believes. I'm not saying that. But when someone, I know people who are saying we're a child of God and all you hear is begging, 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 begging. God always supplies, brother. Always supplies. Alison and I, and we've told you about it, and we'll finish with this. Alison and I were in, in Whitewell one, one morning and I had an accident in work and I'd been uh, strapped with my neck up and I'd been unable to work for a long time and we, we were skint totally skint broke. I lived in my apartment in Mount Vernon, my we one-bedroom flat. And Allison had taken a relapse of ME. So you can imagine the picture when I'm trying to carry her out of church. She was like a rag doll. And I have a bad neck. And one day we were sitting there and we had pennies. Literally pennies. I'm not exaggerating. There's no money in the bank. There's no money in the hole in the wall. We never ran around telling people. We said, Lord, it's up to you. And we looked at it between ourselves and we had one tin of beans in the cupboard. Between us. We just dropped it in the offering plate. I'm not preaching money here. You know I don't do that. I dropped it in the offering plate. It says, Lord... It's the widow's two mates. That's all we got. We just got in from church and there was my own saved brother and his own saved girlfriend, partner, standing with bags of shopping like this. I don't know why, but we just thought we were going to buy you this. Food weeks, shop steaks and everything, and it was great put it all in and an envelope came through our door. Nobody knew an envelope came through our door with money in it to carry us through the whole week. Lord, we're trusting in you. Looks impossible. And we're still at our beans when we get home. <laughs> Only we cooked other things. Well, I wasn't cooked other things with it. Brothers and sisters, no matter how it looks, the Lord, if he's your shepherd, If you're saved, the Lord is my shepherd. Listen, the shepherd looks after the sheep. I shall not want. Lord, you're going to meet my need. Not my greed, but you're going to meet my need. You're going to bring it in. You're going to make sure, Lord, that I I may be tested and I may be tried, but there's a ram coming up the other side. And no matter what it is, no matter how dire it looks, you keep trusting in what he says. And you'll find that you can say, "Jesus, you're my shepherd, and I know with you, I shall not want." You see, the psalmist found that this life, this life with God, this life with Christ, not only matters need in this life, not only matters need in this life, but he knew in Christ he sat up for eternity, for he says, "I shall dwell in the house of the Lord." forever isn't that marvelous forever trust him tonight if you're not saved tonight trust him tonight you must have relationship before you can enter into his heaven trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him And he shall direct thy paths. May God bless his word in the Lord's well will do part two next week. There's a whole lot of those parts. We'll see how we get on.